The Artist Life Podcast is brought to you by Real Creative Heart. Heavy the head that reps the crown. With love, your greatness is found. So rep your crown. Live from Salt Lake, Utah, Art is Life. Welcome to the Art is Life podcast with your host, Russell C. Holt, where we sit down with artists from all career fields and we discuss their perspectives on their art and what it means to them in life. So sit back, have fun, and enjoy the ride. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Art is Life. As you know, I am Russell C. Holt, and I am finally joined by, for those who have seen and heard and or heard the previous um, episodes that I've had, um, which will be out by the time this comes out. <laughs> but in my previous episode, if you listen to Dom's episode or Aaron's episode or um, in most recent and most recently uh, Haley's episode we finally have the woman the myth the legend Jessica Hirsch on the podcast so for those who have listened to those previous episodes and or wondering who is this Jess Hirsch person that people keep referring to um, she was a classmate of mine and we graduated together at UNCG just this past May and yes, she is a very big part of the of of our cohort as well as in the musical theater realm at UNCG. Um, and as you have heard in the other episodes, that you know she was very involved with Dom and Aaron specifically, um, working with the musical theater students. Um, but she's also an actress, um, so she doesn't just do musicals. Um, and she, we'll we'll talk more about that in regards to that. But um, ladies and gentlemen, we finally have Miss Jessica Hirsch on, and now you have a face with the name, and you can see why she's such a cool person. So, thank you guys, and I introduce you to Jessica Hirsch. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's going, you know, we, we still doing it, you know, we, we, we do what we can with what we got. And I appreciate sure. I appreciate you for coming on today. And yeah, so let's just jump right into it. So um, if you want to tell people for those who don't know you, um, how did you come about on your artist journey? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and that Ohio is a huge um, dance state. So for little girls, you know, they get potty trained and they get put into ballet class. And so that was where I really started was with dance. Um, and I didn't love it. Um, I liked the recital at the end. I liked the costume. Um, I hated wearing tights. Mm -hmm. um, it was when, because I started with ballet, didn't love it. And then my mom put me into a jazz class and a tap class. Mm -hmm. And the jazz I was good with, but I really loved the tap. Mm -hmm. And I was the worst in the class by far. 
because they had all had tap dance since they were really little and i was starting tap at like seven or eight mm-hmm. um so for dance that's technically like very very behind mm-hmm. um and it was very much so like jessica you stand in the back and practice your shuffles while the rest of us learn um so it was it was but i loved it um and at the school i was going to at the time during the day laurel school they have a really great arts program Mm -hmm. and we had a theater teacher when i got to middle school who taught us tap in her dance class and i did um a play with her called fairy tale courtroom Mm -hmm. which was it's it's a total theater for kids by kids play where fairy tale characters are getting interrogated in a courtroom setting mm-hmm. um and i remember her telling me like hey like you're really good at this um and not only was i good at it but she could tell that i liked it and at a very young age had a sense of professionalism in the sense of i really wanted what we were creating to be good mm-hmm. um which seven and eight year olds and middle schoolers that's not often like an attitude that you receive Mm -hmm. um and i did a ton of plays and i started getting getting more heavily into musical theater in high school um and i joined the fairmount performing arts conservatory in the cleveland area which was the best decision i ever made because they treat their young actors like adults like professionals you know they really don't you know they would do an equity show and the next show on their main stage would be a school edition of les mis so they really didn't distinguish between like grown-up theater professional theater and youth theater they believe that good theater is good theater um and i in my own practice really take that into everything I do. You know, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. If you can make me laugh, if you can make me cry, like that's where it's at. Um, So then I went to Youngstown State University in Ohio to major in musical theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when I graduated, I I knew that there was a part of me that was always going to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that my entire background was musical theater and Shakespeare. And I'm like, what else? I want to learn more. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I auditioned for grad school. Um, because I, a, if I was going to teach, I wanted that terminal degree to be able to teach at the highest level I can, but also I just wanted to meet new people, go to a new place, learn more. Um, and that's how I ended up where I am today. Yes. Nice. Nice. So, the teaching aspect you said you always knew you wanted to be a teacher um what was the spark that that was it that class that that you that uh, the, the way they taught the, the way they treated you and that's what you wanted to do that for for young kids as well or was it something else that that sparked that there's a couple of moments that i can think of that were sparks um number one was just the really brilliant teachers i had across the board in the arts you know i think of that musical theater teacher miss summers that i mentioned to you i think of um mrs porus who was our dance teacher at laurel in high school um our director mr donnellan they all 
understood with me being a kid with very intense ADHD that performing was a focus mm-hmm. and they really helped rein me in in a way that was respectful to me as a child and a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I really latched onto at that age because, you know, my teachers in my core classes didn't know what to do with me. And then I would get to my music class or choir or whatever. And suddenly I felt like my teachers were nice people. Mm -hmm. Um, So then on the flip side, I, like many people in the arts, have had teachers who were not so nice. And I do not believe we're teaching for the right reasons. And there's something about wanting to... when you go hiking, they say like, leave this place better than you left it or cleaner than you left it. Um, and I feel that way about teaching as well of, I want to elevate the teachers I had who were brilliant and kind Mm -hmm. and help to start to erase the practices of the ones who weren't. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. So dance, you said you, you didn't like it, but, um, what did you take from that that helped with your journey as an actress? Oh, my God. The sense of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're taking a ballet class at four and you're being taught that you are quiet when someone else is speaking, you need to sit down and wait your turn. You need to be quiet when you're waiting backstage. You know, those are lessons that a lot of people don't really learn until much later in life. Whereas in dance, it is really ingrained in your brain very, very early. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the ways in which I think that really helps me in my acting work is the fact that I am the actor who did all of the homework yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, I... I pride myself in being someone who, when it comes to homework, getting off book, thinking about, you know, daydreaming about my character, coming up with backstory, you don't need to worry about me getting that done Mm -hmm. because I already did it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, that totally comes from dance. Yeah. Cool. Now um, I want to touch more on that because um, I I was just in uh, my class and we were, um, the teacher was talking about, you know, acting being compared to the other arts is like the forget what he said exactly but it's pretty much the the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the artistries because when you look at musicians dance yeah um painting etc like you can practice like there's a specific blueprint on what to do you do these specific things and you 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 sharpen your your skills yeah whereas acting necessarily isn't like that um and then like when you look at the australians and the 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 english actors you know how Mm -hmm. they treat it so much differently compared to american actors um because they they sharp they do those things to sharpen the skills and stuff like that um but for us as americans who don't want to be like that don't want to be the sloppy actor and stuff like that but necessarily don't know how to you know do specific things to sharpen those skills what would you say like how would you approach that with your dance background to 
help you with that, doing that every, being able to, to sharpen those skills in the, uh, every day. Yeah. So I also have a British drama school background with Shakespeare. So I do have, so both that with dance, um, the thing that, and you've heard me say this so many times, and I'm going to say it to your viewers as well. You know, we talk about, you know, when I think of visual art majors in undergrad, all of my friends who were in like a painting class or a sketching class or a sculpture Mm -hmm. class, they would be in the studios in the arts building until like ungodly hours of the morning working on something. Same with musicians. The the practice rooms at YSU were never silent. There was always at least one person at any hour of the 24-hour day practicing. Mm -hmm. And then we say, oh, well, theater, it's different. Well, my response to that is, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. Imagine if we as actors put, you know, hours each day into what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And imagine what kind of work could come from that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, when I taught my audition technique class with the musical theater department, we did a big brainstorm about the things that make up a great audition. Mm -hmm. So you know, being hydrated, you know, warming up. But the biggest one that we all agreed was the most important was preparation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to be the most important thing because it is 100% in your control. Mm -hmm. But actors really love to not sit down and memorize Mm-hmm. and not sit down and work. Mm-hmm. And when I think of the worst art I have produced, my most cringy audition stories, they were the times where I did not sit down and spend those hours. Mm-hmm. And those extra hours a day will accumulate into some really, really good work. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. I know people who will do like five auditions in one weekend Mm -hmm. and they're going crazy trying to prepare for all of these different ones. And they don't really put the time into each of them that they need. And I'm like, well, man, if they had just focused on one or two Mm -hmm. and put all of their time into that, it might've been more fruitful. And so that's what I would also say is not only do you need to really critically analyze how much time am I actually spending on this? Mm-hmm. You also need to look where you are putting that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jim would tell us about when we were getting ready for our theses, you know, reading an entire biography on the playwright isn't necessarily going to be fruitful in helping you prepare for this role. Mm-hmm. So yes, Analyze how much time you are actually putting into it and then make sure you are putting that energy into a source that's going to lead to fruitful results. Right, right, right. Yeah. Terrible time to pop that pop up. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so with that being said, um, so it's, it's all about what you get out of how you're preparing and like what it's how is it going to serve you and and stuff like that um 
for for you specifically um when you're when you're working on things or when it when it comes to suggestions in regards to doing something every day um when it comes to acting with the preparation what does that look like to you or or what, what would you what are what are what are the ways of preparing that an actor can do on a daily basis to sharpen those tools um so number it, it depends a little bit on the project um but I'll talk, we worked on Judas, Last Days of Judas Iscariot together, so I can speak specifically to how I handled that project. Mm -hmm. um, if you are in something where there is a script, mm -hmm. you should be reading that script every single day. Mm -hmm. A script is usually a, I would say, a 90-minute read. Mm -hmm. And the more you read it, the faster it will get. But the amount of times I've been in shows with people where the only time they ever really read the script was once before auditions. And then once at that first read through, mm -hmm. I don't think that's acceptable mm -hmm. um, because the amount of stuff that you will get from reading it and rereading it and rereading it. Mm -hmm. Number one, that's going to aid in your memorization. But number two, you're going to get a much deeper understanding of the text. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm doing a musical, that is all I am listening to um, until I am singing those songs with my harmonies in my sleep. Mm -hmm. I do not know it well enough uh, because in musical theater, that's where we get into a lot of trouble sometimes is we learn our music at the music rehearsal. We have a blocking rehearsal and then we have a dance rehearsal utilizing that music we just learned a few days ago. But if people haven't been stringing that through and practicing that music, the dance rehearsal is going to be largely wasteful because they don't know their music. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really constant review mm -hmm. so that when you get into the rehearsal space, it's not about you trying to see if you're memorized. It's not about you trying to see if you can hold that harmony next to two people who are singing something completely different. It's about rehearsing and playing and trying things, which that's what rehearsal is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, memorizing by rote to make sure it's like it just comes and it's not you're thinking about it because then, yeah, that's when the real work can begin. You can actually play. And I and I had an acting teacher in undergrad who said, if you really know your character and you are really doing all of the work, needing to call for line wouldn't happen because the only thing that would come out of that character's mouth next is the lines is what is in the text yeah so what if i'm not actively in a project like how 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 can i use this preparation that that you that you speak of to better mm -hmm. just overall get better at acting yeah so number one you need to be reading um, I, and I recommend like read something for pleasure that isn't acting related. Keep your brain working on something. Mm -hmm. Um, the second, and this was, um, a this was a piece of advice that Shori Walker gave us when we had our master classes with her, mm -hmm. which is, okay, you're not in a project. What's your dream role? Do you know his monologues? Do you know her songs? Have you recorded sides for that role mm -hmm. if not 
now is a perfect time to do it because you're not working on anything else. And so when someone says, oh, Russell, your dream role, oh my gosh, they're doing that show up the street. You've already been preparing it for five months, right? right. you know? So that's how I think. Stay ready. Yeah, stay ready. Get ready. Stay ready. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no reason not to, because if it's, if it's, if you believe that you are an artist and it's a role that you feel you are going to play and you should play and you love, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't feel like work to be learning it. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. So for all those actors out there who say you can't do anything, Jess just gave you a whole blueprint on stuff you can do. And there's always homework. And also too, compared to or different from like the other artists, forms where you know you got these specific things you have to do i mean acting you get you have it's such more broad and you have so many options more options and i think that is what hinders actors from doing anything as you know we spoke about that (laughs) you know we have fellow classmates who spoke about this he's like you have so much time and you and, and and you can do so many so many different things but then you get overwhelmed on like, oh, well, I don't want to do anything because I don't because some people want most people want to be told what exactly. What yes. Yes. Of and doing something. And that's a big issue, I think, with a lot of the more commercialized theater and how people are trained for it is, mm-hmm. you know, having been brought up in theater at a very young age, when you're that little you need to be told what to do. And then suddenly I'm 17 years old and I have a director who's telling me, do what you feel. Let's try, let's play. Mm-hmm. And you're a deer in the headlights yeah. and you don't know how to operate outside of go here, go here, sing a note on this word, walk here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the fun is. Right. Yeah. Right. It's all about giving giving the actors agency, having them think for themselves. Um, yeah. Also, you know, letting them know when they're off off the off the path. But yeah, yeah, just more freedom. Which well, and yeah. I was talking to my mentor last night about this exact thing, mm-hmm. and how, and he was telling me that one of the things he will do is not tell an actor how to get there, but where in the space that they'll end up. Mm-hmm. And I jokingly said, well, yeah, you would tell me to end up there. And I'd say, cool. Okay. And then I completely do my own thing and end up somewhere else. And he was always fine with it mm-hmm. because he knew that what I came up with having done all that preparation and work was better. Right. Um, but you need, again, it comes from the preparation and learning the role to be able to do things like that so switching gears a little bit but um when it comes to musical theater and acting in plays um where do you consider yourself what do you after you know doing having your experience at uh, uncg and also what you're doing now um where do you rank those what do you rank it? Like, is musical theater still first? Are you, do you still consider musical theater actress? Do you consider you just an overall actress? Um, do you, what do you, what do you see yourself as 
No. So even before coming to UNCG, and I still feel the same way after, I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't differentiate musical theater and plays um, you know, you know, realism, Shakespeare, musical theater, it's all to me, me being an actor, it's just the style. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that musical theater performers, it's a danger zone that they get into is there's this big trend of what are you first? Mm-hmm. So with actor and singer and dancer, there will be people who go, oh, I'm dancer first. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm singer first. Oh, how do you rank your big three? I'm a singer, actor, dancer. No, you need to be actor first. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. You always need to be actor first. When you get to the higher levels, everyone sings beautifully. Mm-hmm. Every dancer can do a triple turn. Who's going to walk in the room that there's something about them that I just am instantly drawn to. Who's going to walk in the room and make me laugh? Who's going to make me cry? Who am I going to watch? And I think, oh my goodness, I would go to war for this person if if this character told me to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm an actor, 100%. Audiences will forgive when it comes to musical theater. Audiences will forgive a a crack of the voice Mm -hmm. or a little bit falling out of a turn. If that person is so committed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm an actor. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. So with that being said, what do what are your dream roles or what, what are you, what are you hoping to do with being an actor? Yeah. So it's, I'm in such a funny limbo phase where right before COVID and everything shut down. Mm. There was this span of two years where I was playing so many of my dream roles and I was just crossing them off the list left Mm. and right. Mm. And I did the grad school thing. We were in a show every semester and I reached a point um, in my second year when, so my second year was when I was instructor of record for musical theater classes. Mm. I reached a point where I found I would like dread going to rehearsal, mm-hmm. but I was so excited to go teach. And then I went, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to what my goals and dreams are, I mean, every kid dreams of being on Broadway, mm-hmm. um, which if that happened, dope. Right. But also, you know, being the person who can help something click for a young actor. There's nothing more exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to roles, you know, the roles that are left on my list of, oh, my God, I need to play that. I still got like 30 years (laughs) before it's even age appropriate. Which is perfect Um, because then you can you can establish your teaching. Exactly. Boom. You'll be waiting for. Yeah, exactly. And I've and I've 100 percent and I've reached a point where. You know, there's this whole audition hustle culture Mm -hmm. and that's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, That was me when I was like 20. Mm -hmm. Um, But because I love to teach so much, a part of me is like, why, if I have such a passion here, you know, I can do that dream role at a regional or a community theater and feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't need to be completely killing myself every single day just to get a contract. And the people who are doing that and that is their life and their hustle, more power to you. Um, But I am happy that I reached a point where I was able to really actively spy into myself and say, I don't think that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when that happened, was was it was it that when you got excited for teaching more as opposed to rehearsal? Is that when you started really making that connection and like, yeah, this this like hustle heart like the audition culture is is not Yeah. I think I think I started to notice it when we were gearing up for showcase season. Um, And I was like, there was this weird, and it's a very general comparison I made in my head of, I can, especially with this MFA terminal degree, right? Mm -hmm. I can audition against 2000 plus girls who look just like me for this one role. Or I can apply for this teaching job against maybe 30 other people Mm -hmm. who have similar credentials. Um, And I had this whole idea of, oh, I'm going to move to Atlanta and then I'll figure it out when I get there. And I'm like, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, after, you know, it took me seven years to complete undergrad. I took a year off to audition for grad schools. And then I immediately went to grad school after I have not had a place that I have lived in for more than a few years since high school. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, there was something about stability mm-hmm. <laughs> that I crave so much more than a role or a contract. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it really was that showcase season where we were immediately getting surrounded by that hustle culture mm-hmm. where I was like, I have other options. Mm-hmm. And I think not would I be happier with those other options, but I think I would be happy mm-hmm. with those other options. And, you know, one of the musical theater BFAs asked me at one point, she, she asked Jessica, do you want to teach or do you want to, do you want to perform? And I said, both, whichever comes my way first. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that's that's a, that's an important thing to talk about is it it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. It can be yes oh. and it, it and it doesn't also too like your your ideas and your your goals can shift and stuff like that. And that's something I think that is important for young art actors. It's so to, important to know. So, yeah. Yeah, and younger actors they get told oh, you have to only do theater. Theater needs to be the only thing, the only thing you're focused on. And then the most interesting actors to me, especially when they're young, are the ones who do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who are like, yeah, I really love to read. Oh, I go I go hiking. Oh, I, I have this hobby that I do. And it's like, dear God, do something to supplement your art, not just your art, because you will drive yourself crazy. <laughs> Art is life, guys. So there's art everywhere. You go outside, and yes. go to a park, just being a human. That is being an artist, and it will inform yes. the industry a lot more. So, with that being said, Jess, 
what is your motivation now going forward? You you graduated, you you got your your position that we'll talk, touch base with us uh, in a in a minute. Um, looking back, you know, as you're um, when you were younger, going through the artistry and the, the, the dance and stuff like that, and you had your your motivations there. But what, what's your motivation now going forward? My motivation now. Um especially after still during but after the big covid shutdown um we have a lot of people who are hurting in this country mm -hmm. and they need storytellers and there are people who really want to tell stories mm -hmm. um with the high schoolers that i will be teaching specifically what motivates me is the fact that you know they lost like two years of their education. Mm -hmm. Now that happened to a lot of college students, but could you imagine that happening during your formative years yeah. before your brain has even finished developing? Mm -hmm. um, and so my motivation is so largely to create a space for those kids um, because they got a lot taken away from them. And I remember there was this trend going around on Facebook during spring of 2020, when like all of the high school proms were getting canceled. Mm -hmm. And there was this like trend going around of people being like, post your prom photos in like solidarity with the class of 2020. And I was like, how terrible, these poor kids yeah. don't get to go to prom. And then they're seeing us be like, here's me at prom, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, being, being a space, for those kids because I was that kid mm -hmm. who needed that space and I was very, very lucky to have it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the case for everyone. Right. So that's what motivates me. Cool, cool. Now, speaking of, you, you've touched the base on it a little bit um, throughout, but um, with this art um, that you were teaching and um, acting, how important is it to you in your life or why is it so important? Why, why do you think it is important for not just you, but for all people? We are surrounded by art. Art is life. We are, so we are surrounded by art every single day, mm -hmm. every single day. And even people who have no involvement in theater or music or dance, they go to movies they see the tour of Wicked when it comes to their town. They see everyone's, the second that Lion King tickets in any city go on sale, it is insane. So everyone is surrounded by art. Um, it really is everywhere. And what's really important to me is in training those artists to be the person who lifts up rather than tears down. Mm -hmm. um, like, like I've, I've touched on the fact that there are a lot of teachers who I don't think they like kids <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they like teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone has that memory of what that one teacher said to them when they were six. Um, and you don't want to be that teacher. <laughs> right. 
there, there are people who you will meet who are 20 years older than us who will say, oh my God, I love musicals, um, but I don't sing. And I'll be like, you don't or you won't? Because those are two <laughs> different things. And so many times they'll say, oh, well, I had a really mean music teacher in elementary school and that made me not want to sing anymore. And I'm like, that is the saddest thing. Yeah. That a teacher can do that to someone. Um, so in going into this post at the Salt Lake School for the Performing Arts, it is so important for me to be a catalyst for storytelling. Yeah. So piggybacking off that, she already she spoiled it, guys. She she <laughs> so, oops. Uh, but yeah, so I was gonna ask, so what's next for you? Um, do you want to touch base more on that? So you you are at Salt Lake. Can you say it again? School for the Performing Arts. We yeah. call it SPA. Uh, that's, a, that's a clever name for it. Um, so why don't you yeah, touch base on what you what you will be doing there? Yeah, so I am the musical theater specialist there. Um, so I am teaching musical theater one, two, and three, which is the different levels of ability um, and experience as well. And then I'm also going to be teaching a couple of sections of acting one, um, which I'm super excited about because the thing with this job that really like excites me is I loved teaching the college kids. Um, in the same breath, I found that I was having to do a lot of unteaching mm -hmm. of things that some English teacher told them in high school about acting that is just not it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really excited about getting these kids at 14 and 15 years old and being the first thing that they learn. Um, so I'm really excited about that with acting one. I am directing a production of Matilda, the musical, which is one of my absolute favorites. Um, and that's going to be at the end of November. And it, we put that show up like a few weeks before the Netflix adaptation of the musical comes out. So that's going to be really exciting. Nice. And then I'm also going to be a coach for the Shakespeare competition team. Mm. Um, so Utah Shakespeare Festival, which is like, it's in Cedar City and it's, I think, and it's like three and a half hours south of here. Mm -hmm. um, they do a big high school Shakespeare competition every year. And I'm going to be a coach for our team for that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really exciting to me that, you know, this job, you know, they saw that my specialties are musical theater and Shakespeare, and they're totally utilizing me in the things that I do. Um, a lot of positions you'll apply for when you're starting out as a professor, it'll be like, okay, um, we're going to give you this uh, movement for the actor two course and take this, take the, this theater appreciation course and we'll start to figure out where you fit. And it was really great that I walked into this job and they went, we, we read your CV and we interviewed you. Here's where you fit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super excited. That's awesome. Um, so coaching and directing are are these new to you or have have do you have experience in those or does does it um is it is it uh 
a learning curve or what, what's your thoughts on the, on that? Yeah. So I've been a choreographer for a really long time. So I have, and a dance captain for half of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and the dance captain, for those of you who don't know, is usually a person in the cast who learns all of the choreography and is able to fill in for the choreographer when they're not there. Mm -hmm. um, and so dealing with a lot of bodies in space who are looking at me for what to do next is not new to me. Mm -hmm. um, directing on my own a full-length musical, this will be a first. I have co-directed before, but this will be my first directing on my own. And I'm really excited that it's for a show that I know very well and really, really love. Mm -hmm. um, but but the whole competition thing for Shakespeare, and also they do the High School Musical Theater Awards, which leads to the Jimmys in New York every year. That is completely new territory for me. Mm. Um, and I'm interested to see what the inner workings of that side of things are, because my high school, we didn't do any of that. The first musical my high school ever did was when I was a freshman. Mm. Um, so that'll be that'll be something very very new to me have you reached out to anyone to get any advice or are you just gonna you're gonna wing it and see see what see how it goes or so yeah when it comes to directing mm -hmm. i've reached out to a ton of people mm -hmm. for advice um when it comes to the coaching luckily i'm not the only coach uh the okay. head of the theater department at the school is in charge of the whole thing as well. So, so it's I, for that. I'm definitely not going to be going in completely blind. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, directing. I reached out to a ton of people, um, and basically, like, if I was in once I got this job, if I was in the room with someone who has directed, I would. I, I the question I would ask is, what is the thing that you didn't know the first time you directed that you really wish you had known. Mm -hmm. um, and I got so many great responses to that. Mm -hmm. And I was not shocked to hear that the number one thing is preparation. <laughs> there <laughs> so is. there's your full circle moment right there. Well, here's another full circle moment for you. Um, as to you reaching out for advice with your directors. Now you are at a position where you're going to have students asking you for advice and everything and going down this path of teaching and acting. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That. So what what is some advice that you would give a student either in terms of the arts as well as the term, <clears throat> excuse me, or in terms of just life in general? Remember that it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> um, everyone at every level forgets that this is supposed to be fun. I mean, there's the classic, oh, they're called plays for a reason. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's the actors who are having fun with what they do that get off book faster. And are thinking about their character more because their work doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, sometimes it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to sit down and bust out that monologue, mm -hmm. but you need to enjoy it. And the second you stop having fun and the second you stop finding this art enjoyable, you need to have a conversation with yourself about why you're doing it. 
um, because it will become extremely soul crushing if you don't. And then the other thing I would say is everything can be led with kindness. Everything you do can be led with kindness that that will get you so much further than being a diva or being too harsh, you know, in the seventies, the whole, we see a lot of articles about actors and how they acted in, in those earlier decades. And that's because back then being a diva was how you showed how much you care about what you're creating. It was how you would show commitment Mm -hmm. to what you're doing. We know better now. (laughs) And we know that we can achieve a lot of greatness with kindness first. So that's what I would say. Those are two good things that I would say. Yeah, kindness, yes. And the old saying, like, kill them with kindness. (laughs) You want to love them with kindness as well. Yeah, and you know, if, if I've taken a class or with a teacher who wasn't the nicest, or if I've done a show with a director who was really all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. I, the thing that I always like to say is, all right, well, then I'm going to be the kind, the kindest and most prepared person in the room so that I do not open the door mm-hmm. for them to have anything to say. That's great advice as well. You know, be prepared. You know, do your do your do your homework. Be prepared. Stay ready. You don't have to get ready, and you know, be kind. And be you're kind, always rewind. And you and you've heard me say this, uh, but you're always auditioning, mm-hmm. and and I don't say that in a way to make you like fearful or paranoid, but I say that in a way to motivate you mm-hmm. because if you go to an audition, you might not get that part mm-hmm. and you might not be right for anything on that season. And you might not even get a callback, but that director might be sitting behind that table, kicking themselves saying, Oh my God, I wish, I really wish we had something for them. Mm-hmm. And then next time they see you, they're going to, they might remember you and be like, Oh my gosh, she was amazing. We need to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, I've seen it all the time. You know, I, my, one of my professors in undergrad would always say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we all, there's often the kids who, when I teach who are super, super talented, And then I have other kids who maybe aren't as like God-given gifted, but they are the hardest worker in the room. And those are the kids I am drawn to. The most talented ones are often the ones who disappoint me the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they usually sometimes are also the ones who aren't the kindest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is very true. But um, also, too, um, I I mentioned this uh, when I was talking to Chris and Tiff. Um, so for those who heard that this saying already, you can hear it again. It, it doesn't get old. But um, there's a quote that says, there's always someone in the room that can bless you. But who are they watching? Yeah. But, but who, who are they watching you be? So, yeah, it goes back to like, 
always being kind and nice to people just you know don't be an a-hole and you know you never know what what can happen and what um what can stem from that so yeah um, especially in this world especially now we need all the kindness we can get and being you know respectable and and all that but that's a story for another day and we all get frustrated yeah and we all lash out but you know whenever you have an interaction with someone you have to think what am i trying to gain Mm -hmm. from this interaction if i have a group of kids who i have told them you know what count they need to do something on seven times is yelling at them really going to help? <laughs> right. Is that going to engage that child? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what is there? What am I trying to gain from the way that I'm acting? Right, right, right. And there's a difference between being stern and just yelling and, you know, trying to prove a point or just trying to show that you're the top dog. Um, yeah, Maria in The Sound of Music, she says firm but kind. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. So Jess, how can how can we stay in touch with you? How can we follow you in your journey on your new your new goals of how can we support this Shakespeare team? Yeah. The, the yeah. Um, so I would say follow me on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. um, are the biggest ones uh, because that's where I post about what I'm doing the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the school, uh, Matilda runs in late November mm-hmm. and I will be posting like crazy about that. So anyone who wants to come down, let me know. All right. Sounds good. Jess, I appreciate your time. I have one final question for you. Yes. When it's all said and done, what would you like your legacy to look like? What would I like my legacy to look like? People who, if they hear my name, they smile. <laughs> that's 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 what I would like my legacy to be. It's not original, but... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm only teasing because someone someone else said that. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Nice though. I, I I enjoy it though. It's it's a good. It's it's good. Yeah. Be the be the person who other to be the person who others their faces light up when you enter the room. That's that's. If I'm that, I'm golden. Also, too, guys. Um, I forgot to mention. Um, Jess and her coaching abilities. So the, I'd say the students are definitely getting a good, a great teacher. Um, she helped me um, when I was auditioning um, for uh, for school. I didn't get the part, but it was still fun, and and I still learned some things. Uh, she taught me a little tap. So um, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I had to shout, had to give you your props for that. You know, so they're in great hands when, when it comes to that. When for teaching is for sure. Um, but yeah, Jess, I appreciate your time. Um, obviously this won't be the last time we speak. Um, and oh, no. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to come down to Salt Lake City and uh, see what, what it's up all about at some point. But um, anyway. The air is real dry. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thank you guys for joining us and joining me on another episode. Um, Until next time, peace, love, and blessings.